You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. I remember hearing a story many years ago. It was about a Christian missionary serving overseas in a in a country that did not esteem the word of God like like we do, and. Uh, being found in a little bit set up with copies of the Word of God, this, this missionary found himself imprisoned. And it was, uh, it was a stark reminder of, of the fact that we use the term global village, but it might be not quite the village that we envision. Different cultures have, have very, very different rules. And, and sometimes when we idolize these cultures, we miss the fact that they can actually be very dark places. And he found himself in, in such a place, imprisoned for months on end. Um, technically speaking, he could have been executed for this crime. And locked away there without any access to family or friends and no internet and no telephone calls and no communication with the outside world, not knowing if, having just been arrested and dragged from his home, not knowing if family even knew where he was, not having access to diplomatic circles and and really just wondering if he had been lost and abandoned a number of times as they tried to, to break him and have him confess to all manner of things, he did feel in some ways like it would be better just to die than to endure this forever. But finally, by God's grace, he was released. And a friend of mine was chatting with him on one occasion and and said, what was it in those darkest hours? Not knowing what your fate would be, not knowing if, if a day, you know, these days as they became months and became years, what if this was to be the rest of your life? What if this was to go on for a decade? What was it that held you? And he said, well, of course, it was the presence of God and the goodness of God and the grace of God. But God often does tangible things in our life. He gives us something to hang on to. And the thing that God had given me to hang on to was I wanted to walk my daughter down the aisle to meet her husband. I wanted to do that. That picture... God-given picture held me in the dark times. Well, that's a story. It's someone's story. It's a real story. And I had heard that many, many years ago. And I guess up until that point, I, it was somebody else's story. I'd never really done that. But last, last week, as my, my good friend David Wake opened up the, the ceremony at, at Jade and Jordan's wedding, I had the opportunity to stand on a little balcony with my little girl around my arm and to walk her carefully down those stairs. She had high heels. She said, Dad, you've got to hang on here. 
She kept me laughing all day so that I wouldn't cry. It was her aim, I think. But I had the privilege of walking her down the aisle. And it was a very, very special day. And I remember thinking afterwards, yep. Yep, that would keep you through the dark times. (laughs) That would keep you through the dark times. Very, very special. You see, that story which I'd heard and only heard of had now become my story. It was somebody else's story, but now it was, it was my story. And God loves to, to make his story our story, your story. It's not enough just to know things about God. He wants you to experience him personally. He wants you to, to know him intimately. You've heard lots of stories. You've read about the stories. We're looking at the story of, of Joshua right now. And we are reading about a story about Israel. And it's a good story. You know many of them. You have your favorite stories. And I don't know which one it might be. And, and we often ask the question, don't we, if you could go back or if you could watch the video of what story in the Bible would you like to insert yourself into or, or be, you know, have a, a gold-class seat to observe? Which one would it be? And sometimes I've thrown out the question and, and had you discussing it, and we've had lots of answers. Red Sea crossing, maybe. I mean, that would be spectacular, wouldn't it? Just watching those waters part, wow, that would be something. Um, maybe... Maybe it would be the Jordan crossing. Just, just watching the water around you just suddenly dry up and, and it just stops flowing and, and you don't know why for the longest time. Somewhere way upstream, something seems to have stopped the water. Some little busy beaver or flock of beavers or whatever it might be. What? what? How did God do this? But suddenly, on the horizon, you see that water building as if it was like a wall. It's just becoming a mountain and like this this massive wave that will not break. And there on the horizon, you see that the water hasn't dried up. It hasn't disappeared. It hasn't been rerouted. It's reaching for the skies. It's, It's incredible. And there on the horizon stands the evidence of a miracle that you were experiencing. It would be a great story. What about Jesus calming the storm? Seasoned fishermen, convinced that they are about to die. And he stands up and he says, be still. (laughs) Who says that? To the weather. (laughs) In Melbourne. (laughs) Jesus did. And the elements commanded by their creator to take on a different form to what they had, obey. They comply. They can do none else. Wow, what a story. Or what about at the tomb? This is not the wind or the waves, but death itself now coming under the command of God and coming under his rule. That beautiful moment where 
were a perplexed Mary, searching for her Savior and her Lord. Cannot understand who would take the body. Who would do that? What sort of sick mind would do that? And of course, she, there was no butlers in those days, so she turns to the gardener. You know, what have you done with the body? And then, of course, it's Jesus. He says, very, very simply, oh, Mary. And she melts in that moment because she realizes it's her Lord. It's a great story. But it is God's desire that his story, he wants this for all of us, his story to become your story and his story to become our story. It's not enough to just have stories about this person or that person or this church or in that country. No, God wants you to experience his story, for his story to become your story and, and for you to have a first-hand testimony to be a prime witness in all it is that he is doing. Now, in the last episode of Joshua, the Israelites, and the vast Jordan River that they needed to cross in order to lay hold of the promises of God, we talked about the fact that, that God is lavish with promises. If he was a small demigod, he might just make a few random, rather general promises such as, you know, oh, I will give you sunshine and times of happiness amidst the grey. Yeah, you know, it would probably, probably read like, you know, the star section in, in the newspapers. You know, you will have times of goodness and times of badness. You will smile and you will cry. I mean, stuff that's, that's going to come true, isn't it? You know, if he was some demigod, the promises would be general. But no, the promises of God are lavish. And vast. And frankly, a little concerning sometimes <laughs> for those of us who follow him. Because if he doesn't come good on them, you know, well, we, we'd hate for God to have egg on his face, wouldn't we? Do you think we worry too much sometimes? I wonder. I wonder. But the promises of God are lavish and vast. And, and he gives them to us in great measure. To lay hold of. And one of, the, one of the opportunities we have as Christians is to lay hold of the promises of God. He promises to, to always be with us, but then we find an obstacle. A moment like a sea or a river of doubt in which we really question, are you here, God? Are you really here with us? Uh, he promises to bless us, but then we go through difficult times and, and like a sea or a river of doubt, we again, we come up against very tangible evidence why God, at least on this one, might have told a little bit of a whopper. At least that's what the whispers in our head tell us. 
There are obstacles in life that seem to stand between us and the promises of God. And uh, last time we were on this topic of Joshua and the Jordan River, we actually had a, do you remember we had the Jordan River here? Ah, I hope you were there to see it. It was one of the best props. It was probably prop of 2017. If you missed it, you have to look at the podcast. But we were actually able to roll out the Jordan, Jordan River here. And, and it was a visual of the various obstacles that sometimes stand between us and the promises of God. And for each of us, they're very, very different. But those obstacles are actually opportunities for his glory to shine through. He knows when you face each of these obstacles, whatever they are, could be, could be parenting challenges, marital challenges, vocational challenges, financial challenges, health challenges. There are many of them. And he knows when you come up to these challenges, he knows you have never been this way before. He even says that to the Israelites. I know you haven't been this way before. You've never crossed the Jordan. You've never had to enter into this so-called promised land. I know, I know. So I'm going to lead you. God is very merciful that way. And he asks us not to dodge the obstacles, but... More often than not, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I wish we were one of those... No, I don't really wish we were one of those churches that taught prosperity doctrine. I don't, I don't. But it would be easier, wouldn't it? Like, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't I just say, oh, God has a wonderful plan for your life, and he will, you know, don't worry about the obstacles. He'll get you around them. He'll make you rich and prosperous. Ah, can't do it. Can't do it. Constrained by the word of God. Good thing. The truth is, he often asks us, invites us to go through them. There are no big bridges over troubled waters. No. He wants us to go through the troubled waters. He wants us to go through the obstacles. It's the only way, folks. Some of these challenges are huge, and, and I know you're sitting there and you're thinking, Stuart, you do not know what you're asking. I know that I don't know. I know that some of the challenges, some of the obstacles that you face between, between you and, a, and your faith in God, trusting in his promises, are massive. They are enormous. And I can't say that I personally have faced each of the challenges that you face. All I know is that Jesus was tested in every single way and that he has. I don't necessarily know, but he knows. He does. And he knows what it is to not have a cup removed from him but to have to go through life's challenges. And so you follow a compassionate saviour who knows in every way what it is that you are going through. And he asks us to go through these troubled and difficult waters. That is the way of the cross. But there was a delightful encounter 
awaiting the people of Israel. Right there in the middle of this dried up river. (laughs) I mean, it was a miracle. Right there in the middle stood what? The Ark of the Covenant. And it represented the presence of God. And it represented the reign of God. So there as the people crossed over, and they all passed it. As the people crossed over, they experienced there in the middle of the river. And I can imagine they could not take their eyes off it. There in the middle of the river, they experienced the presence of God. Symbolized by the ark of God, but there it was, right in the middle of their obstacle, the presence of God. They could not miss it. And that seems to be the way that God loves to take us. Through our troubles, through our difficulties, through our pain, through the obstacle, he loves to take us to a place where we encounter his presence like never before. Because then, when we come out the other side, not only are we able to lay hold of the promises that God has given to us, but we have something else now, don't we? We have our own story. It's no longer the story about the way that a previous generation crossed the Red Sea. No, this is the new Israel. This is the new generation. And they now have their own story of crossing, not the Red Sea, but the Jordan River, but crossing an insurmountable obstacle. And they did it only through the presence of God. In chapter 3, verse 10, we, we read, This is how you'll know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, and, of course, every preacher in Australia loves to do this, and the Vegemites. Of course, in other countries, they believe it should be cast out, don't they? (laughs) This is how you will know. This is how you will know. Because you now have your own story. You now have experienced God. You didn't balk. You didn't go to the left or to the right. You didn't try and get around this somehow. No, I led you through. You followed me through. You trusted me. And you encountered me in a special way in the middle of your greatest fear. And look, now you have your own story as well. Um, Some of you will remember many years ago that we we had with us a a guest. He is um, a dear friend from from, um, my OM days, Kenny Gann. And Kenny and I, uh, we were on the uh, ship, the MV Doulos, serving together for many years. Now, Kenny... Kenny was sort of like, he, he ran this training program on board the ship, which was sort of like, I don't know, I, I kind of thought of it as like black ops. 
um, this, this didn't quite get my head around it. It was this kind of undercover, I don't know. It was this strange thing that people were signing up for and they just disappeared for a time. And it was, it was called intensive training. And, and, um, and Kenny once shared with me, here was his thinking. He shared this with me because I was going to have to take over this, this training program for a little while while he took some leave. But here was his thinking. Stuart, here we are all serving on the ship, and all these young people are coming and serving for one or two years, and speakers come from all around OM, speakers who have been a part of founding the ship's ministry, and they tell these amazing stories about, you know, that time I was in Dubai, and, and I met somebody who introduced me to somebody else who ended up being a sultan, and there I was in his presence with an impossible situation, and, and he had some bird of prey sitting on his arm, and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, I got permission for the ship to come, and it was amazing, and, and everyone's mouth drops open, and oh, what a story, wow, and all of the stories had to do with this incredible faith in a God who can, it was amazing, but Kenny said, but you know what, Stuart, that was years ago, that's their story, all these young people are sitting there, what, what is their story? They don't yet have that story, do they? They're just hearing, hearing all of these other stories. And to be quite, quite honest, we're now so risk-averse that where exactly can God break through? I want them to have their own story, to learn to have faith in God. Well, I said, well, that's a great idea, Kenny. <laughs> so tell me about the training program. He said, well... You know, they've got to read through, you know, they've got eight weeks. They've got to read through the whole Bible in eight weeks. I thought, that's a great idea. And then they've got to um, um, be on call any minute, and they've got to help out with some of the dirtiest jobs on the ship, like going out in, you know, going into the bilges and cleaning them out. That's a great idea. And then on one occasion, I send them away for the weekend, up into the rural areas in the middle of nowhere so that they can, they can minister. That's a great idea. Where do they go? He said, well, I just, I just look for the furthest place that I can find on a map and I send them. Oh, that's good. I said, what do you send them with? He said, nothing. I said, but you give them some money, right? He says, no. Some directions. Mm -mm. Means of transport. Nope. Some contacts. Ah. Uh -uh. Sleeping bag. Nope. Tent, nothing. So you're saying it's a little bit like Jesus in the Gospels with the disciples saying, don't take anything with you. He said, yep. I said, but, 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 but like real time, like today with real people, young people on the ship. <laughs> he said, yep. So I'll leave you with it. I'm going off on leave. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Kenny. Thank you. What I didn't realize at that point was it took greater faith to run that training program than it took to go into the middle of nowhere. I remember standing on the quayside with all of these, these guys and two girls, two young girls who hardly spoke a word of English between them. And I remember just thinking, so uh, what instructions did Kenny give you? And there they were, well, we've got this map. We've got to go up into this town. I said, well, the Lord bless you. Do you know how you'll do that? No, we don't. 
So you don't have any money? No. And this is before the days of mobile phones. I said, well, we're ready. And, you know, there they were beaming, you know, as, as kind of just, just so happy to go. And I'm thinking like a father, oh, dear, <laughs> Kenny, what have you done? Anyway, sent them off, sent them out, two by two. Two girls, two guys, two girls, two guys. I sent them away. And, um, and Bron knows how I sweated this over that weekend. Haven't heard from them, but then that's not peculiar. They've got no way of contacting me. I wonder how they're doing. And then I started to turn my worrying into prayer. And, and a few days later, they all came back, just like they were supposed to, like homing pigeons. And, and as they came back, I remember David Gagasso from, from a little, little island in Papua New Guinea. I mean, <laughs> everywhere he went on that island was walking or by boat. Every now and again, somebody might have a car, but most of the time they broke down. So here he is in Japan, and he's got to get from A to B, and it's a long, long way. And he happens, he and his friend, to, to start chatting with someone about where they want to go in Japan. And they said, well, the best way to do that is on the fast train. And uh, so they said, oh, okay. I said, do you know where that is? And they they said, no, we don't. And, and so they take them there. And then they're standing around, and they've got this embarrassing moment where they're standing there. Of course, they have no money. They're standing there at the fast train. And they say, well, this is where you would buy the tickets. And I said, oh, oh, good, good. And I said, do you have money to buy the tickets? And said, not exactly, no, no. All right, well, let me buy the tickets for you. And so very soon, this very kind Japanese person is buying them tickets to, to go on the fast train to where they need to get to. And David, when he retold the story, said, it was amazing. This train was so fast, and there was so much to see all the way along. It was incredible. <laughs> and one by one, standing out in a town square and, and meeting a, a Filipino maid who was a believer in Christ, taking two girls into, into their home. One by one, each of them had a story of the miracle of God's provision and sustaining grace. But now it was not just a gospel story. Now it was their story. It was their faith story. You see, God wants his story to become our story. He wants his story to become your story. There's a very beautiful personal little note in, in this passage, a wonderful reassurance to, to Joshua. Imagine for a moment that you're not just one of the masses here. Imagine for a moment that God has selected you to lead this nation. You are the Joshua of Israel. Imagine that for a moment. How you, amidst feelings of great inadequacy and so forth, here is a promise from God. He says in verse 7, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. I am with you 
as I was with Moses. Now, they knew how God was with Moses. But now here is this beautiful, precious little promise to Joshua as well. When we're done here, everybody will know that I am with you in the same way that I was with Moses. And hey, that's no small thing. In fact, again in chapter 4, Verse 14, that day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him all the days of his life, just as they had stood in awe of Moses. Wow. What's the essence of this promise to Joshua? That Moses' story will become your story. You won't just... Just talk about the way that I dealt with Moses, the way I provided for Moses, the way I led Moses, the way I equipped Moses. You'll know it now. This will be your story. That's what God wants to do. He takes you through life's difficulties so that this will no longer just be a story about how God really ministered to this friend of a friend of a friend who used to walk their goat in the same paddock as a somebody else, and her cousin's father's mother-in-law removed twice, had a book that told a story about a person two continents away who three generations past encountered God. Cute not intimate. And if God is anything, he is personal. His imminence is a wonderful, beautiful thing. He wants you to have your story, your God story. That story that you can say, so one time, dad and I, he wants you to have that story. His story is your story. You have a dad and I story to tell. That's his desire. This is where God builds you and gives you a moment to tell a story that you will tell for generations. See what God is doing. See how he loves to use obstacles, pain, suffering. He'll take you through it. He'll meet you in the middle of it. He'll bring you through and you will have a story to tell for the ages. That's what he's doing. But the truth is, he's doing this for us as a church as well. We just celebrated our AGM, didn't we? You'll notice uh, our, our slightly revised logo for this year. 30 years. You'll see it everywhere. 30 years. And you might be tempted to think, well, we're celebrating... The last 30 years. Why would you think that? Why wouldn't you think we're celebrating the next 30? Truth is, we are sitting in our obstacle as a church at the moment. We are right in the middle of it. And yes, the presence of God is, is amongst us. We don't have enough space. We can hear the kids, and it's a delightful noise. We can hear the kids next door. 
as they are having so much fun, and we want more of them to have that. And then we've got kids up in attics and all over the place. You know, we don't need something akin to the Taj Mahal, but we probably need a better ministry tool for what God has called us to do. But why do we have to go through this? And why isn't it quicker? And why isn't it less painful? And, and why aren't there answers sooner? And why aren't they simple answers? And how come we're still crowded and we're still tight and we're still laughing about it? But I don't know. Will the laughter fade sometime? God wants his story to become our story. We're going through this together, and you're a part of a very, very special season at Eltham Baptist Church, where we'll no longer talk about the story of, do you remember way back when we used to meet at the high school? Or do you remember way back 30 years ago when we were founded? Or 20 years ago when we were growing? Or 10 years ago when it was this season? Or No, you're here today to be a part of a new story that God is birthing. God wants you to, to understand that it's not about a previous generation where I showed up and did great things and they're still telling the stories. No, it's about today and it's about tomorrow and it's about faith and hope and trusting him and doing this journey together because he's going to give us a new story. This is about the next 30 years. This is your story, and this is one that we will tell to the next generation. Going to experience this together. Here we are in the middle of it. We will encounter God together. And as we do, we are going to have a new story. We'll call it our story. And this is exactly what God did for the Israelites. Verse 24, he did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Do we yet know that the hand of the Lord is powerful? Have we experienced that together? Yes, in maybe in this way or that, but now God is going to do a new thing and we get to be a part of that. All of us together. It's no accident that you are here today. You are not an outsider. You are not on the fringe. You are right here in the middle of what God wants to do in this local expression of his church. This is a a new opportunity for us in the middle of our biggest obstacle to encounter God. This is where I confess to you that I am possibly one of the most clueless leaders that has ever led a church. Now, I'm not saying I'm daft. I'm thankful for the brains that God has given me. Not spectacular. No, you know, it's just there, you know. 
kind of a bit of an average guy. When I say clueless, I, I, I simply mean that I don't have a lot of clues. <laughs> you know, a detective needs clues, right? And you, you know, you're not supposed to manufacture evidence. So you got the clues or you haven't. And um, we've got some. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> we've got a bit of an idea of what we're supposed to be doing. But, but there is no big blueprint. There's no master plan here. There's no grand scheme and there are no, no easy solutions. I think all I can really offer you as a self-confessed clueless leader is that I'll keep looking for clues. I'll listen and I'll look. Now, I'm most, most keen to look to see where God is at work. Because when I see his hand at work, I know that's what we should be doing. I know that's the way that we should move. I know that, ah, okay, I'm starting to see it now. This is where we're heading. Thank you, Lord. And I think as actually as a pastoral team, that's about the best we can offer you too. We look, we listen. We want to see the Lord at work. And we, I mean, in the quiet times, in the down times, um, there's no... There's no shortage of prying and looking and nudging and pushing and kind of, here, Lord, here, here, here. We're, we're doing all of that, like a forensic team, you know, looking for evidence of where God is at work. But until we have it, we can't quite complete the picture. But it actually isn't a bad place to be because it means a couple of things. It means that our most valued possession is that encounter with God. To experience the presence of God in the midst of this. It means that as a leadership, we don't have all the answers. We don't bring you some, I don't know, kind of flash super duper team that we know how to build a mega church. Just follow us. I mean, you know, (laughs) I wouldn't follow that anyway. That's, that's, not, that's not what we have on offer here. But as we pray together, and I believe that God wants us to do it as a community, I think, I think as we lead you, we are leading you into the presence of God. That's it. We, we, we know that God has given us promises. He wants us to be a representation of his people, standing strong, to be a light to the nations and to to not be swayed by the currents of this world, to be a shining light to those who are lost, to be a haven for those who need salvation, who are seeking him, to take in all and everyone, who comes to us to say, would you please show us the way to encounter your living God? We know that's what we are supposed to be. They are the promises of God. But to get there and what that looks like, we want to lead you into and help you become comfortable with the the uncomfortable reality that we'll have to go through these waters. But in the middle, we are confident of this, that you will meet 
with our living God. We will meet God in a new way and we will have a new story. I've had um, this week once more to, to send an email to a dear friend um, who just passed away a couple of days ago. Sam and Andrea know him. He, he was the director on board the Doulos. His name was Lloyd Nicholas. And he went to be with the Lord just a few days ago after a, a long battle with cancer. And uh, not being a Facebooker, but getting a message via, via email um, to just an invitation to write some last words that his wife, uh, Charlotta, could read to, read to him. I, I sat down at the computer once more and thought, how do you capture it? And, and I wrestled with that feeling that those of us who have lost somebody close or somebody dear... Just one of those, you know those people in life, we all have them, they're like a rock. And you just think, oh, there are many things in this world that could trouble me. But you know what? I'm so glad I'm doing life with, and you know, you could insert the name there. They're just like a rock. They're solid. You love the fact that we get to do life with these sort of people. And now, all of a sudden, their time is nearing. It's Joshua saying goodbye to, to Moses. It's one of those moments. I had to, a few months ago, write a similar email to a dear friend, John King. And, and it feels like, I don't know, I, I'm not getting older, but somehow I'm having more of these emails to write. I don't get it. <laughs> and sometimes it's, it's tempting to feel not abandoned, but a little bit like, could everybody just stop going to heaven? Please, I like having you all around. I feel more comfortable with these rocks in my life. You all anchor me, even though we don't necessarily talk face to face every day. Just your presence, the knowledge that you are still standing firm in your faith. You are finishing well. That's a wonderful reassurance. Please hang around. <laughs> But that's not the reality of it. And as I was writing this, this email, I was thinking about, of course, um, the message this morning. And I was thinking, of course, Stuart. <laughs> they have been an important part of God's story. But as each one departs to go home to be with their Lord, it is a reminder that God is writing your story. It's your time now. It's your time to stand firm. It's your time to be a rock. It's your time to be a pillar. This is your time. This is your story. This is our time. This is our story. We are privileged to walk through life together. Times change. Seasons change. The makeup of a church changes, but this is our time together. And this is our time to see God at work in a way we've never seen him at work before. It's no accident that you are here today. It's no accident that you're sitting in that chair. It's no accident that we are the makeup of people who are experiencing what it is that God is doing here. And there will be another generation 
a generation of kids who no longer will have loud, squeaky voices, but they'll have broken voices, mature voices. And they will, with those voices, tell the stories of this generation and how we trusted God to do the impossible. It's time for our story. And God is inviting you this morning to enter into that. His story becomes your story. His story becomes our story. Do you feel encouraged? Your time to be a rock. Your time to be a pillar. Your time to be that signpost for future generations. First-hand witnesses of the power of God in our midst. It's our time. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this invitation, this reassurance that there are no mistakes an invitation to be a part of the story that you are unfolding in our midst. And each of us has a place in that. I wonder if you can imagine in your mind's eye A vast riverbed. It's dry. And God is in the middle of it, inviting you to come to Him. On the other side are some things that are familiar. You've seen them before, but much of it is not. You don't know exactly what is on the other side, but that's not the focus. The focus is Jesus right in the center, inviting you to come, to cross with him, to cross over. And just as you can probably picture in your head the crowd that sits to your left and the crowd that sits to your right, those in front and those behind, here we are together. Crossing that river, all of us invited to cross together to encounter God so that his story becomes our story. And I invite you to join us on that journey. I invite us, we invite you to see yourself as a part of this, this new generation who is about to encounter God in a new way. And as you step forward to effectively say in your heart, I'm up for this journey. I want to be a part of what it is that you are doing, God. I don't need the reassurance of all of the answers, I just need the reassurance of your presence. I just want to be where you are. And if you're inviting me in, here I come. 
You know, I invite you to cross with us today into a new era, a new day of great opportunity in which God wants us to play our part. In your, that deep part of you, whether you're picturing your story and your personal challenges or circumstances or whether you're picturing our story, as a church, I invite you to respond this morning in your heart of hearts by saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Here I come. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.com.au.